Welcome to 100 Ways, your simple reminder that you are home wherever you are and that everything is right the way it is right now. I'm your host, Laura Christine, fellow explorer of consciousness and this amazing, beautiful world. Let's get curious, dive into the duh, and find out what's here for us today. Welcome to 100 Ways. This is your daily exploration of self and soul. I'm your host and fellow explorer, Laura Christine. Let's dive in and find our way home. Yesterday, we heard Ethan say, Tell me more. When I said that all roads lead to home. This episode starts with my response and finishes out Ethan's experience of Varnasi. Broken toes and shit. Literally. I just feel, and maybe it's at your deathbed, but one day you're going to see that, not you, (laughs) not necessarily you, Ethan, but you in general, somebody. One of you listening to this podcast right now. One of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It doesn't really matter. In the big picture of everything, like I'm going to meditate because I need to exhibit. I need that. Okay. Well, one in some way, whether through meditating or not, but maybe through meditating, even if you approach it by like, I need to show off here that I'm an excellent meditator. Mm. So something is going to break through that need that you feel, and then you'll be free of it. Mm. Or it won't. Yeah, which is also okay. It was just totally fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to die one day. Mm. You're going to die, Ethan. How do you know? I know. I know this. I'm going <laughs> to die as well. This body, anyways. Like, mate, your spirit will float around and do Doing whatever its, it do wants. Do its spirity things. You yeah. Know, it'll be all woo-woo <clears throat> and, and ephemeral. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> woo-woo. My spirit's going to be uh, woo-woo and listen to um, jazz music. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's going to do. We'll find I guess out it's, later. it's up to it, really. Yeah, you know, we'll find out later. Yeah, it's not. It will no, be. It will all be revealed in time. No need. Exactly. No need right now. Right now is right now, and that's all. Whatever. That's it. I guess the point is this is okay. Underneath it all, life is actually not that big of a deal, and we tend to put so much importance on so much stuff. There's so many things, and it's not. It's not that important. Mm. In the grand scheme of everything, like. I am not important, Mm. but life is living as me, so I'm here for it. Yeah, it's like you don't need to hold your breath. I don't need to hold my breath. That actually is counterproductive. (laughs) Yeah, because you can only do that for so long. (laughs) To life living itself. (laughs) And yeah, so I'm not sure exactly if that answers your question because I said all roads lead to home, Mm. and then I ended up with, well, nothing really matters, Ethan. Well, but (laughs) it makes a lot of sense because... If nothing matters, then presumably everywhere could be home. Exactly. Is that, I don't know if that's everywhere if that follows. Is home if you think about it, it's or a not? Fascinating thing. Yeah, that's this, there's this really fascinating sort of duality or dichotomy, and I've also encountered this in the feeling that I should be able to fall in love with any one person that I've ever met or that I ever see, and then there's this experience that like I really don't seem to be inclined to falling in love with certain people. It seems actually quite difficult. We could have a, a whole conversation about falling in love and love and all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a big subject. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe 
Yeah, it's fascinating. I think I do mean that I ought to be able to fall in love with anyone who's mm -hmm. become overwhelmed by their beauty and the desire to be closer to them and unfold sort of new things in their presence together. But there's also the sense of love, like it ought to be possible to love anyone, right? Yeah, it's a very different thing that we're talking, yeah. And so there's this idea of it ought to be possible to consider anywhere my home. Yeah. Or to have this awesome, magical, unfolding house tent that would like explode in a poof of pink smoke. And then it would be like, oh yeah, here's my jacuzzi. Um, <laughs> like... <laughs> sign this girl up. Yeah. The... Right now, please. <laughs> Will it fold small enough to fit in my Gen 2 Prius? Yes, definitely. Okay, then we're golden. Yeah. Like a rucksack, a small, a small Perfect. rucksack. <laughs> I love it, especially if there's a jacuzzi. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm complete. Yeah. We've solved my problems. Jacuzzi today. anywhere. Thank you, Ethan. Yeah. Do you have more to say about Varanasi? Varanasi, aside from exploding magical jacuzzis. No, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Just meditating. And jacuzzis. Meditating in the hot sun and in the quiet night where you felt like I'm lonely. Lonely. Yeah. And also, like, I'm going to leave. I thought that I would spend a week practicing austerities here, but it kind of sucks. And, like, I don't want to yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. And there was this one point in Varanasi, the last thing I'll share about Varanasi before I left, was that I was jogging along the waterfront. I, I became sort of, uh, sort of obsessed or, like, fascinated with or sort of interested in the lack of real, like a clear, like shore on the river and whether in fact it was possible to freely walk along the river. Because in so many American cities, the bank of the river is no longer public. And in certain older societies, that is not allowed. There's sort of traditions where any edge of any waterway is public land and there must be access to that. It's part of what constitutes the energy of a place and to take it away is a very, very grave injustice. And I feel that way very strongly. And there are places that I've been that have been so sorrowful because of that lack yeah. of access. But in Varanasi, it turned out that you could actually walk along the water if you were willing to kind of take an unconventional path. And so I was jogging uh, this afternoon, and I had a um, busted toe because I had busted it in the desert. I had this bandage on it, and I was kind of aware of not wanting to get like a really infected toe in India because I was no longer on the antibiotics that had <laughs> enabled me to eat street food with impunity. Neither did it allow me to have a toe infection with impunity. And this meant that jogging barefoot was this kind of act of like, all right, just keep it clean. And so, you know, I'm jogging along, and I'm getting closer and closer to the uh, to the funeral pyres and wondering, okay, so here's the real question. Can you cut through the whole funeral burning area as just a pedestrian. What are they going to do? <laughs> then you say, no, we're burning people here. You have to keep away. <laughs> you know, I, we could burn you. Are you dead? <laughs> then you can come in. And the pathway started getting more and more narrow and more and more broken. Like mostly people didn't walk that way for good reason because they're burning all these people. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it started to get more broken to the point of like, this dirt path and I'm stepping from brick to brick and it gets to the point where there's just one path that consists of a single row of very large bricks about foot-sized bricks I'm walking along this brick and just feeling very sprightly and sort of delighted by this brick pathway because there's nothing better than walking on a very skinny pathway and balancing and I'm walking and balancing and sort of singing to myself and I look up and there's the funeral pyre and I step one step forward 
and I look down a little too late and notice that there's not a brick there, and my foot sinks up onto my hip in muck. And I look, this is my, my toe foot, you know, the busted toe foot. And I, and I look up, and there's just this sort of, like, trickle, this sort of river running down from the funeral pyre area into this little mud wallow that I had found myself in. And yuck! <laughs> I yank myself out, and I go running through the funeral pyre area and sort of do the, you know, I'm just like, and I run down, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm covered in this filth and this pestilence and i and i run to the edge of the water and i start bathing myself and i'm just like oh and i'm just rubbing this crap off and then this man comes up to me and he's furious with me he's like what are you doing and he said you're wearing your shoes and this is this is our mother this Mm -hmm. is our sacred mother and you're defiling it and i was like part of me was defined i was like well dude (laughs) like i see you guys washing yourself in here all the time but like really what it was is that i had my shoes on yeah that's a big no no it mm-hmm. turns out. And I was like, but my shoes are covered with like pestilential <laughs> muck from the burning pit. And I was like, okay, so I have to leave here. And so I just kept running and I was like, apologized as much as I could while still running. Because I sort of like the microbiological theory running through my mind was like, I had a certain amount of time to like cleanse my foot before it became a really big problem. Yeah. And it like seeped in. Five seconds. <laughs> Yeah, the five-second rule clearly did not apply here. (laughs) I was giving myself as much time, you know, as it took, (laughs) but no more, not a second more. So finally, I just kept on finding less and less, apparently, sacred parts of the river. Uh, (laughs) You know, nobody was charging admission, you know, nobody would come yell at me. I literally, I like ducked into a few places and got yelled at like a bunch of times because I kept on like partially washing my feet off, you know. Yeah. And then finally I got to this like sandy beach. No, I, I got to this spot and finally wiped, washed myself off decently. And and then I ran for a long time after that. And I finally, I ran across this bridge and I got to this sandy beach, this beautiful sandy beach, and I dug my feet deep into the sand to dry the pestilence off of them and to, to scrape it out. And then I ran to the water and it was the other side of the water that didn't have all the dead people washing into it. And I washed myself there and really just like washed myself properly and sort of, ah, <sighs> finally, God, my foot is okay. and I'm okay. And then I had some time to kind of reflect on this and, um, and of the many things that I experienced in Varanasi, that was um, one that I remember quite well. It's just being on that beach after being able to wash myself off. And that very same day, I went and got my bag and I headed off towards Bodh Gaya. How long is Bodh Gaya? Well, how about we uh, take a break and reconvene on where we're at? Next weekend, we will reconvene after a several-day break from recording. And you will hear more about Ethan's excellent adventure through India. And we are finally also going to reach Nepal. Until then, we are sending all the love and then some more. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for exploring with me today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. We can do that at laurachristine.us. You'll find contact in the menu, or you can go to laurachristine.us contact 
and you'll be taken right to it. Let's dive in a little deeper and see how fully we can flow with the duh. Thank you for being here. I would love to hear from you. Go to laurachristine.us to let me know your thoughts on this. And remember, as Rumi said, there are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Also, you can't fuck it up. I said that. Thank you.